Today's scripture lesson comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. The Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Now this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall see visions, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lord, may the words of my heart, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would be filled with your spirit to go and pour out upon to others. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You have your little notes page there. It has the scripture passage on it, uh, as well as just some points that I have highlighted from my sermon as well. I invite you as you are comfortable, you may take a pen or a pencil or whatever and uh, put any extra notes that you may want in as you take this message into the world with you this week. Uh, in his journal entry for May 24th, 1738, John Wesley writes this entry. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle, of, to, the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change with God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins 
even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This is John Wesley's journal entry as proof that God works through us and uses the Spirit of God to not only bring us into relationship, but to continually, continually open our eyes to God's work each and every day. This is not a John Wesley early in his faith. In fact, this is a John Wesley who is ordained, who is preaching in the Episcopal Church and still finds it within himself to be reminded of this manner in which he trusts in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and is filled with that spirit. In fact, tomorrow is the day in which we as Methodists observe and celebrate what is known as Aldersgate Day, where we uh, observe this day in the name of John Wesley. But today in the church, today, this day, the 50th day after Easter is Pentecost. It is the day that we ourselves celebrate not just the birthday of the church, but celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Celebrate this and observe this passage that Brenda so beautifully read for us this morning. The pouring out of the Spirit upon the disciples, the beginnings of a movement that would come to define centuries and millennia that would follow. Today we celebrate Pentecost. You know, oftentimes as a pastor, when it comes to these holy days, right, Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, these days that are often marked by one day in the year that we feel traditionally, it it often befalls upon us to, to tell the story, right? Oftentimes on Christmas, we hear the narrative of the birth of Christ. On Easter, we hear about the resurrection of Christ. On Pentecost, we hear this story of divided tongues of fire descending upon each and every person present in the upper room and and this great crowd gathering. We tell these stories, and sometimes preachers get bold, and they try and dive deeper into these stories so that we may know truly what they mean for our lives today. And you know what? I think if that is more important on any day of the year, this may seem heretical, but I will say it that we most need to dive deep on Pentecost, on what is the meaning of Pentecost. Not that the, the other days are, are, are holy and the other days are great. And we dive deep in, and I mean, if you're listening to my preaching, we dive deep into the birth of Jesus and we dive deep into the resurrection. But I think diving deep here on Pentecost is such an important thing. Why? Because on Pentecost, we claim our calling as the church. We claim our identity as the church. We learn what the church truly is here on Pentecost. That is what this day is about. I loved this excerpt from a, uh, from a commentary that I read this week. She said, whether the birth, whether, ah, sorry, whether Pentecost is the birthday of the church, the beginning of the church, or as some argue, a broadening, the opening of doors to include all. Either way, it is about building community, building community. Being filled with the Spirit is the ultimate expression of what Pentecost is about and is the ultimate expression about what Christianity is about. Right? Why do we gather together here? Why do we come into this space to worship and praise God other than to be filled with God's Spirit? So that we can go and fill others as we go out into the world so that we can then return to this space. Knowing that we come here and we celebrate, we will be returning to be filled as well. It is in this constant flow of the Spirit 
that claims us, that calls us, that not only introduces us to God and Jesus Christ, but invites us to encounter him each and every time we come through those doors, each and every time we come into this space, and then each and every time we go out into the world, we take that with us. And so as we dive into this passage, what is that insight about identity and authority that we learn? We learn the importance of the church. And more directly, why the church plays such a key and vital role in the building of the kingdom. That same commentary, it talks about that building of community. It's about making, it was making connections. It was building up the body. Pentecost, this is what the commentator says, Pentecost is about the church being church. It reminds us that this is a small world, and wherever we go, we are likely to find members of our family gathered around the living word and the winds of the spirit, a spirit that is poured out. What a wonderful testament to what we witness right here in this passage of Scripture. You see, because think about, think about this passage of Scripture. Think about what is happening here. You grab it. You got it in front of you, and you can see it there. Think about what's happening, right? The disciples have been gathered in that upper room. They've been gathered for 50 days, right? And they, last week we observed that they watched Jesus ascend to heaven. So now not only are they gathered, but they're gathered without the one who brought them together. And then, as they are sitting there, as they are praying, as they are discerning, as they are contemplating, there is this loud rushing wind. And there are these tongues as of fire that descend upon them. And then they all start speaking languages that seem foreign to each and every one of them. And then there is this great crowd that hears this cacophony of noise and is drawn in to hear about the power of God. Think of what happens in this moment. This is not a moment meant for only a certain group of people. No, this moment is so big, so loud, so powerful that it could not be contained in the upper room. That it brought people from far and wide to come and to hear. Even those outside the assembly are drawn in to come and encounter. They hear the commotion. They are intrigued by the events. And then they are witness to a sermon in and of itself as Peter preaches. And and today we just listened to to the first part of that sermon. The 17 through 21, Peter is just getting going. And so uh, when you go home today, if you want to read the rest of Peter's sermon, continue on in Acts 2. Because Peter gives quite the doozy, inviting these people to consider who it is that is giving them this message. It is a broadening of our understanding. It expands our understanding of church. It is what opened the disciples and those present in the upper room to be filled with the Spirit. And it is what those outside of that gathering are drawn in by. And then it is what brings us into community together here and now. You see, the cool thing about Pentecost, the cool thing about this, is that there is no space, there is no place, there is no time. This is just the beginning. 
You see, the, the, the writer of Acts here, Luke, he, he identifies Pentecost. In fact, actually, Pentecost is a Jewish marker. Pentecost is actually the marking of 50 days after Passover. And the, the writer here of Acts, Luke, uses this as a time marker for us as Christians to kind of note when the Spirit comes. But when we look at what happens in this passage, this passage does not become defined by place or space or time because we begin to see the way in which the filling of the Spirit becomes a constant embodiment of our calling from Christ. We as readers see it as an invitation to embody the nature of the church that we explored in last week's message in the Christ's ascension. And as we look and we see it is a calling, it is a calling to be a new kind of people. And it is a calling that transcends all that we try and put in the way. This leads to this language of barriers that we have in being the church. And if we look at this passage, we see the most present barrier for these people becomes language, the way that they speak to one another. In this time, for, for those who may be familiar with, with Israelite history, we'll remember that a, a couple of centuries before Jesus, the, uh, they, the Israelites come back from the Babylonian exile. But the interesting thing is, is that not all of them come back into Israel. Not all of them come back to Judea. Not all of them come back to Jerusalem. And they enter this period called Hellenism, where the understanding of Judaism is spread out all over the known world. And, and then they Therefore, Jews do not speak the, the native language of the Israelites. They do not speak Aramaic or Hebrew. They end up speaking the languages of the cultures in which they live. And you have Jews all across the land. You have, you have Gentiles all across the land. And you have Gentiles and Jews living together in, Ju- in Jerusalem. And as we know, uh, Jerusalem is that, that place of pilgrimage, right? That's why Pentecost becomes a marker, because this would be a pilgrimage when people would come to Jerusalem, and there was a feast associated with it. And so we have all of these people coming into Jerusalem, and we have these, this gathering of people in the upper room, and this great cacophony of noise, this loud wind, this, this fire, this great assembly of languages, and all these people come in, and they're like, hey, I can hear that person who looks to be a Galilean, who seems to be a Galilean, preaching in the language that is native to me. How interesting. That's what I imagine them saying, just how interesting. Um, but then they begin to listen and hear the words, and they're like, hmm, they're, they're speaking about this God. They're speaking about this God that I believe in, but, but there's a nuanced nature about this God. There is this God that is present in this man, Jesus Christ. You see, the overcoming of the barrier of language invites all who are there to know and understand how God is speaking to them. And we hear Luke record this event. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their native language of each. I love that line. I love that line. They each heard you see, so often when we think of Pentecost, we think of right that Pentecostal experience being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, and you have to have someone there to translate. But I think the even greater miracle of Pentecost is that they heard. Not only were the disciples speaking in tongues, but they were heard. Each person heard in their own native language. I love how that passage invites us into a new understanding of Pentecost. Here in this understanding, rather than speaking in tongues, I want us to focus on hearing, hearing in a language, in a manner that is most familiar to us. 
Because so often we get caught up in how the gospel is conveyed that we miss God's ability to work within us for the gospel message to be received, to work within us and to work within the people who are receiving it. You know, I remember when I was uh, traveling, I, I went to Germany my junior year of college, and I remember going over there, um, and I knew zero German, and, and I would not recommend that for anybody going to a foreign country. If you go to a foreign country, learn a little bit about the language. Um, but I went to this foreign country, and, and we decided that we, we wanted to eat German food, and so we would often ask our, uh, the, the people who were at the front desk of the hostel to, to recommend restaurants for us to go to. And um, I remember they recommended this one restaurant. And we were like, oh, excited. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. See, uh, up until that point, most of the people we had encountered spoke a little bit of English, and so we could kind of communicate. No, when we got to this restaurant, uh, no, no one spoke English. or the, Well, our waiter didn't speak English, and the, the menu was in German, and we didn't know any German foods. And so we looked at the menu and are immediately confused. And so we tried to work as hard as we could by pointing, by, by trying to find pictures, by, by trying to do all these other things to overcome this barrier of language. You see, faith is about overcoming barriers. Spreading faith is about overcoming barriers. I remember when I was on a mission trip in Camden, New Jersey, I was working with this young boy who had selective mutism, and I was working with him on his math homework. And, and I Y'all, I mean, we've been together for a year, but we're still learning each other. Friends, I am not good at math. I am not good at math. I'm a musician. I count to four, and I know my alphabet to G. Right, Patty? Yeah, yeah. That's all I need to know. I can count to four. If I'm lucky, I can count to six. No, I kid, I kid. I'm not good at math. It was never one of my strengths. And so teaching math to a child who couldn't really receptively talk to me uh, ended up being a bit of a struggle. But but we got through it. We worked together. We, we found ways to communicate. We found ways to get the work done. You see, that's what faith is like. Faith is overcoming these barriers that we as humans have created. And as I consider what overcoming these obstacles and barriers look like, I, I think of when we need to forego our desire to think that we are in control, right? We always have this desire to convey or do everything in one certain way. We have to do it our way. But you see, the thing is, and the thing that we learn from Pentecost, is that God has his way. And God calls us by his spirit to be his disciples in this world. We pour out the spirit of God that it may be received not by the work that we do, but by the work that God does. And when we look at this passage, we see the way in which God pours out the Spirit upon those gathered in the upper room. They are moved to demonstration, and God then pours His Spirit through that demonstration out upon those who are hearing, witnessing, and experiencing God in the community. It is through this expression of faith that we begin to consider the implications of encountering God's pouring and giving Spirit upon our own lives. And so we begin to answer the question, what is church? Right? If we believe in this understanding that the Spirit brings us together as the church, then what is the church? And as I mentioned last week, the first way in which we understand is the church is that the church is the body of Christ with its authority derived from the many in which God pours the Holy Spirit upon. And so we are the church because we are many. 
Because we as many make up the one body of Christ. And we are blessed and anointed to serve and to be a community together. Now let me clarify here that this is not to say that the church is, is blessed in the way that good things always happen to us. I think we sometimes get in that mindset that we think that just because God blesses us, that means we will constantly have good happen in our lives. I think there is good that happens from trusting in God, but rather the church is the primary tool of discipleship in the community, and our blessing is the anointing in which God gives us to go forth. That is, our blessing is the nature in which God is always with us, and God helps us. And, and in those bad times, right, in those bad times, in those tough times, that God is blessing us through God's presence with us to get us through those bad times. Notice in this passage the nature that communalism plays. It is the body as a whole that becomes the primary image of God in this passage. And it is the collective whole of another body that receives the word. And it is within community. And if you continue reading on in Acts and you read to the end of this second chapter, you'll, you'll read that line that says, and that day 3,000 were added to their numbers. I wish in one sermon I could bring 3,000 people to faith. Clearly, Peter is a great preacher. But when the Spirit of God flows forth from our communities, the language of faith is presented and understood throughout creation. And we truly believe that, that it is the Spirit of God that brings us together. We are many different people. We come from many different places. We come from many different feelings, many different identities. And yet we come together here, filled with the Spirit, praising and worshiping God. Here, all of those different people who are able to understand and hear the message of God. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Whenever I'm, Brenda did not ask me when she was about to read this, just every year, don't worry about it, every year I always get someone, how do you pronounce this one? Yeah. All of those people come together to hear. They come from all matters of walks of life. They, they voyage to Jerusalem, coming to witness and encounter God, and boy, do they. The gathering includes people from all over the place. It expands the nature of the kingdom to include all persons within creation so that the church is the body of Christ. And in that, we encounter the diversity of Christ. The church looks to the ends of the earth to what it means to collectively be community together. And it's the exact opposite of what we see in the Old Testament, right? When we look at the Tower of Babel, the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, this is the opposite, right? In the Tower of Babel, they were scattered, given different languages. And here, they are reunited as the body of Christ. If in the Tower of Babel, the barrier of language in the kingdom is told, and we are shown the nature of diversity across the world, then in the events of Pentecost, we are shown how that barrier is removed, how God can work within us despite our differences. And so therefore, not only is the church the body of Christ, as we're defining it, as we reflect on the nature of Christ throughout the kingdom, but we are the kingdom of God as well, the kingdom of heaven. It depends on which gospel you are reading as to which one you hear, inasmuch as we look towards this nature of heavenly reign as both a lived embodiment of our present ministry, and the reality of what we hope to achieve. 
if the body of Christ calls us to diversity in the way in which we reach out and serve in our community together, the nature of the kingdom of God shows us how to do such things and what it looks like. We live as disciples of the kingdom and create within our community the nature of care. And not just for those who are a part of our church community, but for those who are a part of our created community. So right here in Suffolk, right in Virginia, and, and, and all across the world for that matter, for those who experience suffering, pain, injustice, oppression, the poor, the orphaned, the widowed, the hungry, the thirsty, the mistreated, we essentially find ourselves in situations that Jesus willingly enters into himself. We find ourselves having difficult conversations, and we find ourselves standing with and helping those who need it the most. Peter proclaims in his message the Lord's favor and preaches his message of a gospel for all, a gospel that cares, a gospel that loves, and a gospel of peace. He proclaims a gospel that looks at salvation offered through Christ as a manner of life, life not just here on earth, but life beyond. And so the body is our calling, the kingdom our reality, and the Spirit, the Spirit is the one who makes it all possible. The Spirit is poured out upon us. It fills us, it empowers us, and guides us as we do the work to which we are called to do. And so the question that I leave you with today is how is the Spirit being poured out and moving both within you and within this community? You see, we have this incredible opportunity we have this incredible opportunity, having been born in a state or having lived in a state of unfamiliarity in the last year. I remember when the pandemic first happened, we all looked at Pentecost 2020. We're like, oh man, like we're going to miss Easter, but boy, howdy, we're going to have Pentecost. You know, but friends, we have gathered together and look where we are this Pentecost. Look where we are as we celebrate the church as we are beginning to create this new normal of what our ministry can look like, we are going to have opportunities to be filled with the Spirit in so many new and different ways. And as we continue to navigate out of this pandemic, we continue to look and find new ways to be community together because of the resiliency that we have built, because of the ways in which we have invited the Spirit into our hearts, we embody the body of Christ. And we are being filled in so many ways that we don't even realize. If we will just get out of the way and invite in us the presence of God, that we may go and fill the world. Amen.